Welcome back, Danas and Beckys. Gosh, it has been a few weeks, took some time off, and unexpectedly, my stepfather passed away. My stepfather, Rick, who maybe you knew as the character Bill on my TV series, One Mississippi, he raised me since I was two. We had quite the relationship. You know, when my mother passed away 10 years ago, it cracked him open in a way. The circumstances, life, and just kind of having to step up to parenting me and my brother, even though we were adults. And my biological father had passed away soon after my mother. So Rick was our parent. And very sadly, um, that was my last parent. And we really, over the past 10 years, grew together. And so much of it had to do with his love for my children, Max and Finn. He absolutely lived for them. And it's been very, very painful, to say the least. I didn't think I was going to lose him. Like I said, it was unexpected. He developed pneumonia after he had choked on some food that went into his lung, and that caused pneumonia. And very eerily, after taking antibiotics, he developed C. diff, the disease that I had 10 years ago, and that is what killed him. It also landed on the 10-year anniversary of the day I took my mother off life support and I took Rick off of life support. It's just been very surreal, so heavy, so hard. And I want to acknowledge everyone that's reached out, friends, family that have been there, strangers I don't even know that have written in, people that have come to shows, being on stage. The first time back on stage was in Denver and then Salt Lake City the night after. And it was just almost an hour and a half of like being able to think about something else for a second and actually enjoy myself. <laughs> so I appreciate it more than you might ever know. And yes, this is a comedy podcast. And if this is your first time tuning in. This is not how they normally start off. But I just wanted to touch base because this episode you're about to hear was recorded previously. So it's a really great episode. And she's one of the best, I would say easily of all time already out of the gate in her career. So please enjoy this episode with Phoebe Bridgers. If I was surrounded by ghosts, it would not affect my sleep whatsoever. Yeah, I'm way more scared of people. Yeah, he said he would prefer a live person holding a gun to his face. That is f***ing insane. That's insane. Thank you. Sorry, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? I feel like. well, you know what? We're bleeping out every word you say, so it's <laughs> okay. as though you're not even here. Wait, I can say shoot and stuff if it helps. Shoot and stuff. <laughs> shoot and stuff. The 
This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. And the sound of you not asking is music to my ears. With me now is a songwriter, singer, whose second album, Punisher, earned four Grammy nominations, including Best New Artist. She's also a member of the band's Boy Genius and Better Oblivion Community Center. Phoebe Bridgers, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, your music has been described as mixing pain and joy and sorrow and redemptive beauty. Millions of listeners have connected with that. Why do you think those themes are so resonant? Uh, I don't know. I think that that's what I look for in music. Mm-hmm. So I hope that I am bringing that same thing to the table that I look for. Um, I like it. I feel like that's a weird thing to say, but like I like my music, so I hope that the people who that's not that's not like weird, it, yeah, like it also for the same reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like you have to enjoy what you're doing for it to translate well, right? Like if you didn't think you were funny, it would be like draining. <laughs> like like you disagree with the people who thought you were funny, <laughs> right. which I think is what happens to some like one-hit wonder bands or whatever that think they sold out or don't like creatively what they're doing. And then when tons of people come to the shows, they're like, they disagree about if it's good or not. And that sounds soul-sucking. There's so many elements that could be soul-sucking in the world of entertainment. Yeah. And I think you really have to find that. I'm sorry, do I hear a pug snorting? (laughs) (laughs) A pug is in my lap. A pug is protecting me right now during this podcast i can only assume that's your pug it's my pug yeah you want to introduce your pug yeah this is maxine are you kidding me my cat's middle name is maxine (laughs) i'm serious my cat's name is fluff maxine that's awesome yes maybe we should give maxine a middle name right now how about fluff maxine fluff totally She's not very fluffy. She's kind of fishy. Well, Fluff wasn't fluffy when we named her Fluff. It was what my mother used to call me when I came out of my bedroom in the mornings and my (laughs) hair was standing up. Amazing. Well, hello, Maxine. She says hello. So, Phoebe, you've said that the best advice you've ever been given was from a fan member who said, your greatest ideas are your jokes. As a comedian, I'm curious for you to elaborate on that. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about that. Julian and Lucy and I mm-hmm. all talked about that. Like, half of it is to do with you tell a joke, and then someone's like, that's actually a great idea. But also, some of it is like a self protective thing where you're like, wouldn't it be stupid if we screamed at the end of this? But actually, you think it's a cool idea, and you're waiting for people to be like, no, that's a great idea. Yeah. What? Right. Like, Julian had a guitar solo on tour where she like put her foot up on the monitor. Like, stupid that we can only get away with with each other. Yeah. I just think life is more fun like that. uh, My friend Haley Dahl says the same thing. She's in a band called Sloppy Jane, but Mm -hmm. she says that every time she thinks something, she has to do it. So luckily she doesn't have any murderous thoughts, but she has like, I should get up on that table. Aside from even jokes, like, do you do that? Is there a lot of room for going with what crosses your mind? I do it. I show up to my shows with my jokes and stories, but then... If something crosses my mind, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to come out, but I have to share this. Totally. I think I have 
diarrhea of the mouth Mm. with that. Like I'll say literally anything that I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. but physically like for stage stuff, like Haley is really dynamic on stage. But if I move around on stage at all, I'll mess up. I remember we played a bunch right before Billie Eilish's set on this last tour at a bunch of festivals. And she's got this big like catwalk that she goes out onto. And I was like looking at it and I was like, it's weird to play this whole show without going onto the catwalk. (laughs) So I walked out onto it with my microphone and then just bailed. <laughs> like I was like gonna go out there and like move around or something. And I just walked maybe three feet onto it and was like, I'm gonna turn back around now. <laughs> That's not <laughs> something I'm gonna do. <laughs> eject. Eject. Yeah, totally. Totally. Just hearing you talk about doing a show with a catwalk and doing shows with Billie Eilish, I'm thinking about when I saw you last, it was right before I think the pandemic started. Yes. And popping up in your garden song video. Yeah, I You were you were doing well, but I don't feel like there was a catwalk <laughs> on stage or No, no, no. Yeah, I had the unique experience of getting a lot more people to like my music throughout the <laughs> pandemic, which is just so weird. And you know, having not toured for like two years and then going on the tour was insane. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, I'm sure I'll talk about this a lot for the rest of my life, but like, it is just insane. Like I haven't, I haven't really thought about it enough. I just imagine your life has changed a bit. Totally. In the past couple of years. I mean, everybody's life has changed. Yeah. When I saw you, I had had the same apartment since I was 18. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I finally got a house and I, yeah. I had a studio apartment that it must have had like a Murphy bed in it at some point or something because it's just way too small. And I was there for the pandemic. It was a total nightmare. So I like to picture you in a gigantic sprawling mansion with just a Murphy bed in your new place. <laughs> yeah. I was also thinking about how I had the pleasure of having you open for me at Largo. I can't imagine if that happened again. <laughs> If I were to say, please welcome Phoebe Bridgers at this point, I don't think Largo would be standing anymore. I See, I have a great time at Largo. I, I, I wasn't there that long ago. I played for Pete Holmes' show. Okay. I love Largo. Like, weirdly, more than anything, I love showing mm-hmm. up and playing, like, two songs at stuff. Yeah, yeah. You get to be choosier with what you play, which I love. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it really tells you what your favorite stuff is about yourself. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, yes. I love a short set. Now, what is your connection with all of the spooky stuff, the skeletons and, you know, the song Halloween? I just like it. Mm Mm-hmm. I've always loved that. Like, did you ever read that story when you were a kid of the girl with the green ribbon around her neck? No. Spoiler alert, her head falls off. When she takes off the ribbon, it's attaching her head. It's like a mystery why she has this ribbon. It's a tiny book that I feel like everybody at some point got from the library who likes spooky stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's deep-rooted spookiness. Do you believe in ghosts? I wish. I think I want it too bad. Mm-hmm. I want it too bad. See, my assistant is so scared of ghosts, and we stayed at a bed and breakfast because I like to stay really close to where I'm performing in case there's any mishap. I can just run over to the show. Totally. And so he was like, there's this little cute bed and breakfast. And I was like, "Ah, those can be real hit or miss, but okay. And he said, 
I'm pretty sure it's fully haunted. <laughs> and I said, and worst case scenario, let's say there's ghosts everywhere. What could they do? Like, they're not there or they're they're shaking a chain and he was like oh god oh my god the hair just stood up on the back of my neck and and he couldn't sleep that night (laughs) now do you feel like you're somebody that gives good advice i have given historically bad advice Uh, but i've also given good advice that's why i called you yeah yeah give me an example uh my friend was having a like a family problem (laughs) recently And I was like, well, do you even like these people? Why are you engaging with this? Like, why does it bother you so much? If they're behaving the way that you're describing, why are these people in your life? She like burst into tears and was like, I love them. You're just like, scram. My reaction was like, stop talking to your family. (laughs) And do you feel like you would do that or you have done it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. I can't relate to the like, I just found out my dad has a second family and how can I negotiate my relationship now? I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I just can't imagine. I'm just like a cut them off person. Right. And speaking of your family, I'm just now remembering your mother's a a comedian. She is. How is her stand-up career going? It is going great. I don't really drink a lot. Uh Yeah. Ever. And I was pretty young when she started. Like I was I wanna say I was like twenty two. Yeah. And I and I was really not drinking a lot at the time, but when she did it the first time and invited me, I got so wasted. I was so (laughs) nervous. Uh and it was great. She roasts me a lot, but I can take it. It's fine. That's awesome. All right. Well, Phoebe, let's help my listeners. Our first question was sent in by a fan of yours. Great. I love those. Yeah, they're good. Early writes, I'm almost 13 and I love art and music. I would love to pursue a career in either or both of these things, but I don't know where to start when it comes to getting my work out there. It's also tricky because I'm younger. I feel like people won't take me seriously or just think that I have no idea what I'm doing. Also, just wanted to say that I love you, Phoebe, and thank you so much for everything you do. I love you, too. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, this is a bad day for me to get this question because I was thinking today about being 16 and making music and really believing in myself and then now wishing that it was all scrubbed from the internet. You know what I mean? Like people just find stuff about you forever. But then I have friends like Connor whose band when he was 13 is awesome. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Like I wish, I wish someone had stopped me, (laughs) but Connor got signed really early and he's making all these recordings for when he's a teenager now and they're beautiful. So I don't know. I think both of us had a great outcome. Yeah. I think if you make art and you do it all the time and you love it, you will meet people like that, the connections stuff will become obvious to you because all your friends do it. And they'll mm-hmm. be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to this art show this weekend and you'll go to it because you love it. Like, I just feel like it happens because you're into it. Yeah. I mean, everybody has such a different path to getting to where they're going, especially in artistic endeavors. But I would say for sure, 100% of the time, nobody when they consider that they've made it, they didn't take a path that somebody else exactly took. Totally. And it was just believing in themselves and doing what they were doing. And there are so many people that come along and they can change the path of your life. You can't really ever plan to meet those people. Totally. 
I still play with people I met when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who I thought I was going to be working with forever or collaborating with forever who I barely know anymore. Isn't that crazy? I think it's awesome. I mean, listen, I mean, I have people that I have worked with or they were my creative partner and we could not be further apart. Totally. About comedy or writing or even the way of the world where you're just like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) We have parted ways, haven't we? Yeah. Some of the ways that I thought it would all happen, quote unquote, just turned out to be the opposite of good. Yeah. But I think they all needed to happen, you know? For sure. Yeah. I think some of the my like the things I've learned from the most are like the worst show I ever played and you know, play, playing to one person is very humbling. Someone <laughs> who came in your car to the show and nobody bought tickets. That's it's great. I had a humbling moment when I played a college and nobody was there and the people that booked me had me still do my hour. <laughs> And I sat on a couch with a microphone and told it to the two people on the couch. And I did not think I had much of a career ahead of me. Well, because it's it's the college kids who book it, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, I had that too. I had that at Berkeley School of Music, except it was weirdly more embarrassing because Mm -hmm. they had an engineering class, Mm -hmm. like a music engineering class. Mm -hmm. They booked me to play a show. So it wasn't two people, it was the entire engineering class who had just, you know, 13 people just set up my microphone and stuff, and they're all, like, standing to the sides, and nobody comes. <laughs> like, I was also like, no venue even is staffed like this. Yeah. You know, right. nobody's, like, wrapping a cable with five other people. I wish I could say I was embarrassed when I performed on a couch to those two faces, but I was kind of like, great, I can sit down and you're going to still pay me the cash. Here you go. (laughs) Totally. Here's what I think is funny. But early, I would say you just have to develop a sense of trust in yourself. And even if you're a stand-up comedian or a singer-songwriter, it's not necessarily a solo thing that you're doing because... Writers, comedians, actors, producers, it's not in a vacuum as much as people might think that it is. Because I feel like we all learn from each other and we borrow from one another. And I always think about there's this poster. And if anybody finds it, I will pay you $5. But it, 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 I love it so much. I've never seen it again. I saw it in 1991 or something. And Woody Guthrie was standing at the chalkboard pointing to lyrics that he wrote on the board. Bob Dylan was was sitting in the front row of the classroom taking notes. And then Bruce Springsteen was sitting next to Bob Dylan, and he was looking over on Bob's paper. Whoa. And I think maybe Tom Petty was sitting behind Bruce. And then I don't like this part. John Mellencamp was in the corner with a dunce hat on. I like John Mellencamp. Um, I like all of those musicians, but I just loved it so much. And uh, I've never been able to find it. That's awesome. I think John Mellencamp doesn't let people look him in the eyes. Oh. Like he has a security guard be like, don't look at him. You know what? I hear that about different people. I love that. (laughs) 
What, hearing gossip like that? I love that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Are people allowed to look you in the eye? For sure. Okay. Nobody can even glance my way. (laughs) Early, there's some musician art talk from uh, a musical genius herself. (laughs) Phoebe, it's time for a break, and we'll be back with more questions. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Janae Desmond-Harris, a.k.a. Dear Prudence, and I want you to tell me about all your problems. Each week on Slate's Dear Prudence podcast, I'm here to tackle your questions about relationships, sex, work, family, and beyond, all with the help of an expert guest. We'll help you navigate it all. Whether you're a teen dealing with parents, an adult looking to spice up your sex life, or you just need some validation that you're not losing it, we're here to listen and to offer some guidance. Need help? Just ask Prudy. New episodes every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Roland and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. Phoebe, as I mentioned at the top, your second solo album is titled Punisher. This next question concerns punishment. (laughs) Neil writes, My daughter, who is seven, constantly self-sabotages with bad behavior just prior to fun outdoor activities that I plan for her and her brother's mental and physical health. For instance, we had to punish her for her poor behavior right before taking her tobogganing with her brother. We felt we couldn't reward her by taking her tobogganing, even though it would have been great for her mentally to go. How can I balance the need for my daughter to have these fun excursions and not seem like we're rewarding her bad behavior by allowing her to go? 
Um, Neil. Neil, what what does bad behavior mean? Yeah, what is, what is she doing? But also, it feels like if you're planning activities for their mental and physical health, I'm sure you mean well. It just feels a little tightly wound or a little controlling, maybe. Oh, yeah. There's nothing I hated more than, like, a big plan. As a kid? As a kid. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I, I'm speaking from the lens of a kid who acted out vastly. Like, I'd try to kill my little brother pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what, what, what would have worked on me, honestly. Like, I have no idea. Well, what about being asked? Like, what if this daughter... Do you know if she likes tobogganing? Have you asked her, do you want to go tobogganing? Would that have helped for you, Phoebe, if somebody was like, hey? I think so, mostly with ballet. Would you like to do ballet? Absolutely not. (laughs) And then maybe I wouldn't have acted out as much. How long did you do ballet? Like two seconds. I was probably like seven. Mm -hmm. My mom would get in the car. I would have my ballet outfit on. As soon as she buckled her seatbelt, I would unbuckle my seatbelt. So she would have to go back and buckle my seatbelt. Like I threw public tantrums pretty much everywhere. I cracked my skull open writhing because my mom didn't let me like pick something out at like a craft fair. Wow. I don't know what would have worked. So yeah, I don't have great parenting advice, but maybe tobogganing is a punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's maybe not going is the punishment. I just can't help but wonder, maybe she doesn't find these activities fun. Maybe she's afraid of tobogganing. That could be something. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some fear somewhere. I feel like it depends on what the bad behavior is. If she's, like, bullying other kids, sure. Mm -hmm. But if it's like... I don't want to go. Yeah, totally. A little bit of bad behavior. Uh I'm not not super worried about it. Yeah, and I feel like when you just punish a kid with no information, then I feel like you're only going to get maybe a negative reaction. You know, totally. She is only seven, but she might be able to give you some insight into her feelings. Yeah. And I feel like just punishment closes that door to the conversation. Totally. I mean, it's something I'm always having to try and figure out with my two little cubs. They're almost six. And, you know, we have those little moments where it's like, what is happening? Totally. And it could just be chalked up to a bad day, but, um, It's confusing for a child to be punished and then taken down a hill on a toboggan, I would imagine, (laughs) you know, and be like, okay, now it's time to have fun uh, for your mental health. Wee, hold on. Uh, Here we go. You know, so um, I would say open up the conversation and figure out what she likes and what she wants to do and how she's feeling and is she scared of anything. But, I mean, Phoebe Bridgers doesn't know. She doesn't have kids. I have no idea. And she used to throw fits. I did. So why why are we even asking her, Neil? Come on, Neil. I don't know. I hope that was helpful. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break to answer a question that came in our therapy etiquette inbox. This segment is where we answer those awkward questions we all have as people getting the professional help we need and deserve and is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. This one was sent in from Catherine in Houston, Texas. Catherine writes, I've had the same therapist for eight years and I was paired with her because the therapist in the group thought she was similar to my dead mom and thought there might be some healing transference. Well, there wasn't. 
Just me being happy I had a new mom. I wanted to tell her I love you, but I didn't. Can you ever tell a therapist you love them? Catherine, maybe the next time you chat with your therapist, you can say something like, I want to admit that I feel a strong urge to tell you that I love you. But when I think about this impulse, it makes me feel this way or that way or what, however you want to word it. And then say, I want to know how you react to hearing this and what you think this means for me. I don't think it's that crazy. Like when I'm reading this question from you, I mean, I know it's probably not typical. Maybe it is typical. I mean, I think people get close to their therapists, but I've had a therapist for over 10 years, this same man, and I can picture myself saying, I love you. I don't know. I feel like an experienced therapist will take it in stride and help you sort your feelings. I mean, that's what therapy is for, is having a place to say, I need help sorting these things out. If it was worth writing to me about, it's definitely worth discussing with your therapist. And remember, a lot of times our deepest epiphanies start with raw feelings that we don't yet understand. So I hope that's been helpful or at least somewhat reassuring. We want to hear from you. So send us your therapy etiquette related questions at don'tasktig.org. Thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Now let's get back to our conversation with Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe, do you have any recurring dreams? I ask because it's relevant to the next question. I do. I haven't had one in a really long time, but I used to go back to the same town in Mm. my dreams, and that was awesome, like a lucid dreaming experience. I think since I've been sleeping better, I'm losing out on this whole fun psycho world that I used to go to. Was it a real town or was it a made-up town? No, no, it's like a made-up town and like that weird, like painful nostalgia. Like you wake up and you're like, damn, like what? I can't even put my finger on why it was so nice, but it was awesome. Yeah, that's nice because a lot of times it seems like recurring dreams are, you know, and then the spider was in my mouth when I woke up. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not like, ah, I went to that wonderful place again. Totally. (sighs) All right, well, Melissa writes... Hi, Tig. I've been having recurring dreams about a famous true crime podcast host. And while I appreciate the frequency of her presence in my subconscious, she's consistently mean to me in every dream. I'm a huge fan, so not sure what that says about her or me. Could you give me insight into this situation? I'm not looking for requited affection in these dreams, maybe just some moderate pleasantries. Whoa, so this is like a subconscious ask. Yeah. I wonder if it's uh, Karen Kilgara for Georgia Hardstark. I wondered. I wonder. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I have a weird one, which is that I always have nightmares if I eat right before bed or, or have spicy food. That's pretty typical, though. Totally. So maybe... I'm not calling you average, I am very That's typical. in that department. <laughs> and every day I fly too close to the sun. Like last uh-huh. night I had nachos right before bed. I don't remember any dreams, but I definitely didn't sleep very well. I don't know. That's like my only real advice is. I've tried a CBD mm-hmm. oil uh, and that 
works. And then I feel like I built up my tolerance or something and then it didn't work as well. But yeah, I'm very curious who the host is that's, that's showing up and being mean, but it's kind of like my feeling about ghosts. I, I, I just don't buy into it too much. No, I think it's interesting. But what if your dreams are just neurological noise or just, you know, your brain just reorganizing and cleaning, like not putting too much weight into it. And maybe you're listening to the podcast too much. Give yourself a break and maybe see if that helps. Yeah, I don't think there's too much psychological about it. I don't, I've never seen an episode of Euphoria. Mm Mm-hmm. But for some reason, my like entire internet is showing me ads for Euphoria all the time. And I j- just remember that I had nightmares consistently when the show was being advertised quite a bit. Wow. Just involving characters that I have no idea what they do. <laughs> it's just like pop culture. I had like a nightmare about Ryan Gosling recently, and I think it's because I saw literally just a picture of him online before I went to bed. You're so sensitive. Totally. Oh my so my gosh. brain is just like... Swiss cheese. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not having nightmares about nachos. Totally. Yeah. Any any excuse for pop culture to haunt me, uh, mm. my subconscious will take. So I definitely wouldn't put any stock into like it meaning something deeper. I don't think euphoria is haunting me. Yeah, it might just be the one-sidedness of listening to a podcast. And um, <laughs> I- Julian Baker actually said about My Favorite Murder, she was like, it's like intimacy you don't have to be involved in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my favorite thing. Like, it's like shooting the shit with a friend, but you are a ghost. Yeah. You don't even have to involve yourself. Right. Yeah. Melissa, my gut says to maybe just, maybe take a week off and just see if you can sleep a little better. Do you drink? Sometimes that can really disturb people's sleep. You can get deeper sleep if you're not. I'm not accusing you of being a booze hound, Melissa. All right. But also, what time are you listening to it? Maybe you're listening to it too close to bedtime, and then it's just in your head during the night-night hours. I like that it's about true crime, mm-hmm. and instead of being nightmares about getting murdered in your sleep, it's it's approval from from the host is what haunts you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well melissa that is that's what phoebe and i think all right and we've got one last thing to do before um you get out of here phoebe sweet i'm gonna take us to the confession booth welcome to the confession booth. Whoa. The Don't Ask Tig confession booth features listeners sharing secrets they've never told anyone, Phoebe, in order for us to give them the advice they're afraid to ask for. Today's confession was sent by Leanne. Leanne writes, When I was living abroad in my early 20s, I had an affair with a much older man who happened to be married with two children. I knew that going into the relationship. He proceeded to separate from his wife, and we had a relationship for two years. During that time, he got divorced. Our relationship didn't work out. 
largely due to the age difference, but also due to the shame we both felt. I'm now in my mid-30s and happily married, but I can't get over my guilt for being a part of breaking up a marriage. What should I do? Oh, boy. I mean, Leanne, I just want to say right out of the gate, the only people responsible for the relationship are the ones in it. Yes. Yes. Okay. But that doesn't mean you won't have emotional consequences or um, ghost dreams or podcast host (laughs) dreams about it. I mean, if you're human, you are nodding yes emphatically. I've dated married people before and I've been... Phoebe. I know. I've been in the situation of, yeah, major age gaps. I've like had ex-partners be really mad at me as in like, you know, the spouse of whoever I started dating. And Mm -hmm. I used to feel so bad about it and I definitely would never do it again. I think that's part of the lesson is like... Mm -hmm. Someone's not giving you the whole story. I think if we yeah. anybody who's ever been in a relationship, it's like, oh, we're basically separated or we sleep in separate rooms. It's like, no, it's <laughs> not true. Uh, so that's a lesson, but definitely don't feel bad about it. Like you were, you were manipulated. Mm-hmm. It's not really fair, especially when there's an age gap. It's not. I don't think it's super fair to put someone in that position. That's my that's my two cents. Also, if it wasn't you, Leanne. It might have just been some other person. Absolutely. And no offense, but I don't know if you were special. And this person might have been doing this with somebody else. I mean, as soon as things get tricky and gray like that, it it kind of – things fly out of the window, you know. And um, I don't know. Feeling guilt long after the fact I think is useless uh, unless it keeps you from stepping – outside of your own marriage or doing this type of thing again. I feel like that's the only way guilt from past actions can be used. Also, it puts it puts so much pressure on the relationship. Like then you weirdly, you feel like you have to be, you have to make it work with that person if there were mm-hmm. like so many sacrifices to be together. And right, that's not true right. either. Like, yeah, I, I read a book last year called Animal by Lisa Tadeo. It's so traumatizing. Definitely biggest trigger warning ever, but it, it dealt with some of that stuff in, in a way that I thought, I don't know. I just really, really liked it. I have a book recommendation. I thought you said I wrote a book last year and I was like, (laughs) my goodness, look at you. Can you you imagine if this was my plug? (laughs) I waited till the end for one. I'm promoting a book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, all right. Well, Leanne, I say, Use that guilt to just move on and never do anything like that again. But don't linger in there because I really feel like it could have very easily been somebody else. You're not the reason this guy got out of his relationship. Yeah, a thousand percent. That is not a knock against you as a person. I'm just saying that it really always goes back to the people that are in the commitment. So, Phoebe, should we assign a form of penance to Leanne? Mm, No. All right. (laughs) I think, you know, therapy's great. I I talk Mm -hmm. about that stuff with my therapist all the time. 
It's awesome. Okay. Well, it sounds like Phoebe's inviting you to therapy with her, Leanne. I am. Let's do couples counseling. Well, I hope that was helpful in some way, Leanne. And uh, Phoebe, we've reached the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Um, new Muna music is coming out, a band on my label, and it's really good. Oh, they are incredible. Yeah, they're the best. You and I did uh, Corden with them. Corden, Oh, my gosh. It was one of those experiences where I was like, oh, well, who are these people? They were so nice and fun and funny and cool. And then they got on stage, and I was like, oh, my God, they're rock stars. Rock stars, yeah. Rock stars. And they're on your label, right? Yeah. Satisfactory Records and Muna has new music out right now, and it's awesome. It is incredible. They're so great. Well, Phoebe, I think you're incredible, and I look forward to seeing you in the flesh again sooner than later. And congrats on everything. It's just so fun to watch, and I love, love your music like everybody else alive. Thanks for having me. Goodbye, Maxine. Say bye, pig. Also, Don't Ask Tig is nominated for a Webby Award this year. We're up for Best Advice and How-To episode for our conversation with Esther Perel. Voting closes later today, so go vote at webbyawards.com. And tignotaro.com is where you'll find tickets to my live show. Get your tickets now. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lohr. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark and Sarah McRae. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham and Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Lily Kim, Alex Shaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.
Hi, I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, <laughs> we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 